0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick
1: in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte
2: Hornets select. Larry Johnson from University. I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot
0: of people from where I'm from, you no, know, don't, don't make it.
3: Charlotte, we're back.
2: Welcome back to another Buzz Beat. This is Richie, and please make sure you guys rate and review us on Apple Podcast or wherever you guys listen to our episodes. If it is thoughtful, if it is funny, if it is clever, we will read that review on an upcoming episode. So definitely do that for us. Uh, It helps us out getting more exposure to more Hornets fans. On today's episode, I want to get to some of my instant reactions to the Hornets' latest loss to an undermanned Milwaukee Bucks team. I went to the game in person, which at times I do enjoy the atmosphere of the game, but something about watching the games on TV where you can obviously rewind, you have a better angle the way that I'm situated uh, in the arena is kind of kind of angled behind the opposing team's bench. So when they're on the opposite end, it's kind of hard to see and then, you know, you're blocked by the view of the basket sometime. but, Regardless, I was there. I was able to get there early to see Cody Martin, LaMelo Ball warm up before the game. They are both moving relatively well, fairly well. Obviously, no real contact from opponents when they go through these pregame workouts, but LaMelo's ankle, Martin's knee, their injuries don't seem to be hampering them in any noticeable way, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens or when they can come back. I know... LaMelo is going to make the bigger difference, but we haven't seen but one minute of Cody Martin this season. And I actually want to see him the most of all the injured players DSJ, Hayward, LaMelo, just because we haven't seen him this year. He fits the Clifford mold. And with the new contract he just signed this offseason, which is very reasonable, we want to make sure that he can live up to that. Uh, and it just, it sucks that he started off the season this way and not been able to prove himself under Clifford's system. So I think I am the most excited um, or maybe the most impatient in terms of getting to watch him play. But he looked fairly good uh, during those pregame workouts uh, with some of the assistant coaches. So the Bucks, like I mentioned, were undermanned. They had no Giannis. No Middleton, who had played his first game on Friday versus the Lakers, where he got 26 minutes of play. So the uh, the kid from South Carolina did not get to play here in his hometown uh, and no holiday as well. So they're big three. And then obviously you got Brooke Lopez, who can be considered part of the big three, especially when Middleton's been out for so long. His status was up in the air. And I think most probably just assumed he'd give it a go, which he obviously did. And Clifford pregame was talking about Brooke Lopez and getting some post-ups and running some actions through him. He got some of those looks in the game, and he has definitely feasted in the post against the Hornets. Before, I had to dig up a, an old tweet where I just remember a game in which they kept feeding Brook in the post possession after possession it was back in 2019 so it, it was farther back than I thought it had been but that is an area of his game that I think gets overlooked at times because they're not going to give him the ball in the post that often uh, especially when everyone is healthy on that Bucks team but when they are a little bit banged up and bruised and uh, there's some some management going on there with the rest. Brooke Lopez can be a little bit of a focal point on the offensive end. And yeah, he can be effective as, as a post-up player and, and getting some actions that way. But he actually was much more effective, much more of a, a punishing player as a three-point shooter on Saturday night where he went three of five from deep. I think if you were to classify Brooke Lopez as one of these three categories, overrated. Rightly rated or underrated, I think he's got to fall in the underrated category. He's massive on the defensive end. He's able to play that drop coverage probably better than anyone in the league. He takes away so many options on that end, and the Hornets were struggling uh, with that. You know, obviously, you have a lot of the key players out for the Hornets, but even with that, you can feel his impact on that side of the court. I know a lot of people could be making the argument that he will win Defensive Player of the Year. I personally feel right now, if I were to vote, could be OG and you know, be from Toronto. But he his impact is felt on every possession and just the way that he can play that. It was definitely a predicament that he put the Hornets in a lot. So I, I would probably put him in the underrated category because I don't think he gets enough recognition within this team. But I think you see it on nights like Saturday night when some of the other players are out and uh, the focus can be more on him. Another point uh, of focus for Clifford was Bobby Portis. Pre-game made a mention of him and we saw his stamp early in the game. He was more of an issue in the post than Lopez, actually. Like his back to the basket game, he was ultra aggressive, spinning in the post, backing players down. If you give him the keys, like he's not he's not going to shy away from field goal attempts. And with many players out of the lineup from Milwaukee, you saw him get up the shots. And his back to the basket game came alive. And he took advantage of that on Saturday night against the Hornets. So those two players, I felt, were probably the most impactful for the Bucks. Jordan Noira obviously had a couple of good looks from deep in the second quarter. Javon Carter was awesome on defense. Grayson Allen was a pest. So everyone chipped in. The depth for the Milwaukee bucks that's obviously why they are a top team in the East, top two team in the East. You can make an argument uh, between them and Boston who is the better team. I think you know with Middleton it becomes more of a more of a debate but they've got depth up and down the lineup and even with some of their key players out the Hornets were unable to win and lost by a total of nine points
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
3: Let's
2: shift the focus over to the Hornets players. And I wanted to start with Terry Rozier. He had 26 points, but they were the most hard-fought 26 points you'll see. And I feel like, I don't know, past handful of games, past couple of games, he's done a very good job of attacking the rim. And he does it even so with his, with his offhand, with his left hand. And when you think of Rosier, you think of an off-ball player. That's where he excels. And it's it's different when he is bringing the ball up the court and he gets the ball out of his hands and then he gets into some of his off-ball actions. That's fine. I mean, that, that's, that still puts him in an off-ball position. And, and I think, I don't know if they're running it more or if I've noticed it more, but they've been running some flare screens where... Like I said, he will get the ball out of his hands early and then either PJ or a big on the the opposite side, the weak side, will come up from the block and set a back screen for Rozier and Rozier can either decide to cut towards the basket or what I've noticed, he has flared out to the wing as the defender decides to go under the screen, which is exactly what you need to do. But even with this stuff that's implemented with Rozier as the point guard it's not the same it's not the same one because he has to expend some energy bringing the ball to court which may not seem like a lot but you don't have that true point guard like LaMelo passing him the ball so I think that Rozier has been shouldered with a lot of scoring responsibilities. He's obviously had the responsibility of bringing the ball up the court and running the offense and and getting the team into the offense. And on top of that, he has been one of the healthier players for this team. So he has been playing a lot of uh, minutes and, and just, and just being an overall energy expender on both ends of the court. He's had to go up against Javon Carter, George Hill, Grayson Allen, Uh, At times, he was guarding Rozier, and all three of these guys, especially Carter, are above average to very good defenders. They will pester you, make you work extremely hard, and couple that with the fact that I just mentioned in terms of Lopez. Like Once when you get past that initial defender, or they set a screen on Rozier's man, so Rozier's now and a little bit of an advantage, but he's got to keep Carter on his back, which is not an easy thing to do. And then you've got to deal with Lopez, who's right in front of you, who's backpedaling and creating a wall at the hoop. So I think Rozier had a very strong game on Saturday night against the Bucks, but I also feel that he is not being best utilized until that, LaMelo comes back. You know, 26 points is great to see, but... He had to expend a lot of energy, and I, and I do I do applaud him for getting those points in ways that were very scrappy. He has not been shooting the ball well uh, from behind the arc, but he did get into the paint and score that way. I think this was the one game—I wouldn't say the one game, but this was definitely a game where I thought— which could have helped Rozier, I thought using P.J. Washington at the five could have made a little bit of sense because of that dynamic with Brooke Lopez. Um, I have not had the opportunity to ask Clifford a question, and this is definitely a question that I would ask, and I'm not sure if it's been brought up with the media from Charlotte, but what what is the reasoning or what's the thought process by not having P.J. Washington play the five? Because... He's played what, like 25, 30 minutes at the five with no other center beside him. And we've seen in past seasons where that unlocks a lot of versatility on both ends of the court where he can play five. It gives the defense something to think about. Um, it also allows them on the defensive end to be a little bit switchier. Yes, you know, when you play against a player like Brooke Lopez where they can feed the post, could be an issue uh, if you don't have Nick Richards out there. But. It it just made a little bit of sense to use that tonight, and that was a question that I would have asked pregame uh, of Clifford, because when when Lopez was on the court, I just discussed the difficulties and and what the guards have to do when they're in the paint. There, there's so many decisions that go into their mind while driving, and you know a lot of times the drive the drive and the kick game is is the way to do it because trying to shoot over Lopez is going to be difficult, but when you don't have the shooters around you or players are not hitting their three-point shot, which the Hornets were five of 24 from behind the arc, that's just not going to get it done. But even with Lopez off the court, Clifford still kept Richards or Plumlee on the court. So when Bucks went a little small... They had a, a little bit of trouble guarding those forwards that drove or the, the bigs that would set a screen and then pop. So Bobby Portis got in on the action there. And so, yeah, when, when you don't have a true center out there in Brooke Lopez, I felt that they could have used P.J. Washington to kind of combat some of the Bucks' versatility. And even with Lopez on there, maybe you could give up a little bit some of that, that post- Action that they could have gone to uh, and have a trade-off there. But P.J. Washington had a game, you know, even if he did play the five, he had a game that he probably wants to forget. Sure, he had eight rebounds and a really nice chase-down block where he saved it and he was able to keep the possession and able to facilitate a bucket on the ensuing possession, but he was 0 of 13 from the field and didn't score a point uh, from from the free-throw line or, or from the field Zero points against the Bucks. This kind of performance really can't happen, especially when the Hornets have Mello and Hayward and DSJ and I guess Martin to a certain extent. I know he's not like an offensive powerhouse by any mean, but when you have a handful of players that are out that are key contributors to this team, you cannot rely on Terry Rozier to get all your points. You can't rely, even with uh, Kelly Oubre having some bright spots here and there, you need... Three, four, five guys to all get in on the action to make up for some of that lost production on the offensive end, and luckily Jalen McDaniels was able to do that and get in on the action. But to have zero points, it it just it's it's not something that can happen. And I'm again I'm not down on PJ Washington, you know, strictly after this game, but uh, that game right there, it's it's something that you look up at the box score and third quarter has zero points six rebounds or something to that effect and you know he just wasn't making his imprint on the game and even though I thought that that Clifford should have used him at the five in this game he was far uh, from his best self now the best player versus the Bucks, like I had just previously mentioned his name I thought was Jalen McDaniels Jalen finished with 21 points on eight of 15 shooting let's see five rebounds one steal, one block, and two assist. There was a point in the beginning of the third quarter where the Hornets had cut into the lead. And it was probably the only point in the game where if the momentum was going to shift, it would have been right then and there. But it didn't fully get to that point. I thought, and I know this is not something like crazy, but calling timeouts or timely timeouts, I thought Bud... Uh, did a good job of that for the Bucks, And it just felt like any time he called one from Milwaukee in the game, the Bucks scored and erased any kind of momentum that the Hornets had gotten. And this is probably, I wouldn't say the big, maybe the biggest momentum shift uh, was to start the second half. And so McDan back to McDaniels here, this is how his third quarter started. He opens the scoring with the floater, which... He had three of in this game. He drove left-hand layup over Lopez. That's four points. Next possession, I believe, he drives on Lopez and gets the foul, makes both free throws, and then he hits a fading turnaround mid-range shot. So that's points seven and eight there. He had eight points in the matter of three and a half, four minutes or so. And just as impressive, he played very good defense on Jordan Wara. He hit Noir, that is, hit back-to-back threes in the second quarter. And it just seemed like McDaniels kind of took that personally. He seemed more active on both ends. He made his impact as the best player of the game for the Hornets. And if I were to give the award for player of the game, I would give it to Jalen McDaniels, despite the loss here for the Hornets. They are dropping to 7-16, and while the Bucks are now 16-6. and So this was a game where... It was very, very odd game where the momentum really couldn't be picked up by the Hornets. They had a struggle scoring the ball. Uh, they were able to get to the rim at a pretty good clip, although they did allow the same amount of frequency from the Bucks. there. They were not very accurate uh, in terms of shooting the ball whatsoever. They did a good job of... of protecting the ball and not turning the ball over for the most part uh, and getting to the rim. But they they literally could not pick up any momentum and get the ball rolling outside of the beginning of that third quarter where Jalen McDaniels just went off. And, yeah, I mean, I think there were some some spots here and there from some of the younger players like Kai Jones and Bryce McGowan, but not not enough to, to take any note about. And James Booknight had another game where he did not play so let's go ahead and, and get wrapping up here as the Hornets will play the Clippers on Monday night. The Clippers are 13-7, and seven, and like the Bucks, are a very good defensive team. And also like the Bucs, have some players in doubt for the game with Kawhi and PG. I think both have traveled with the team on their road trip. It's like a four or five game road trip for them. And so they will be in attendance. Whether or not they're going to dress is another question altogether. Obviously, don't have any inside inf- information, but if I had to bet, with this being uh, one of the earlier games on their trip, could be a game in which the Hornets are playing a team without their best players again, and hopefully uh, they get rested in between Saturday's game and Monday game and um, are able to kind of put forth a, a better effort on both ends of the court. And like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, it's going to be interesting to see when the Hornets start to get players back. I know that there is a, a fraction, well, probably a big fraction of Hornets fans that don't necessarily care about uh, the wins and losses right now and probably are more excited that the Hornets did lose against the Bucks versus coming out with the win. But uh, if there was... Still a set of Hornets fans that feel like the Hornets can, you know, compete and be in the conversation for the play-in, which I certainly am not in that in that part. Uh, this was a game that they should have won against the Bucs. And if they are playing the Clippers, the Clippers are a great team as well, defensive team. Um, they have depth even without Kawhi and PG. Maybe, maybe that's another game at home that they could win. But again, it's... Uh, It's going to be tough sledding for this team and uh, obviously they're going to be more in the sweepstakes for a top four pick than they will be in the sweepstakes for uh, the play-in in in, in my personal opinion. So uh, again, the Hornets will play the Clippers uh, on Monday night in the Spectrum Center. Thanks so much guys for tuning in for this quick reaction podcast to the Milwaukee Bucks game and a game in which I went to a game in which they lost. And as always, I do appreciate all the support that you've given uh, the podcast over the years and uh, we'd really appreciate any kind of rating or review that you could give us on Apple Podcast. And also in the episode notes, if you would like to get ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, and exclusive content, uh, you can visit our BuzzBeat Substack, which I will put the link in there. So I will talk to you guys later. Hope you guys have a good one. This is Richie. Go Hornets.